Thanks for listening in today to our Sunday broadcast of Abiding in the Word with Dave Love, Senior Pastor of Calvary Castle Rock. Today, we will be continuing our study in the Gospel of Luke. So let's join Pastor Dave now. Soon your trials will be over. If you need a Bible to follow along with us here this morning, raise your hand so we can put a Bible in your hand. We are going to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. We took a little bit of a break to go over the Christmas story, so now we're back in the book of Luke. And to give you a you know, kind of a quick update of where we've been, Jesus has been up on the mountaintop praying to the Lord, uh, praying to God the Father, and the God the Father showed him uh, the different disciples he is to choose. He comes down and he chooses his 12 disciples. And then it says in verse 17 of chapter 6 of Luke, And he came down with them and stood on a level place with a crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem, from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, who came to hear him and be healed of their diseases, as well as those who were tormented with unclean spirits, and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for power went out from him and healed them all. So, Jesus uh, comes down with his disciples, and he sees this great multitude. He begins to teach them. We don't know exactly what it is that he said. They came to hear him, um, and then he began to heal all their diseases, as well as cast out demons. And then it says, after that, then he lifted up his eyes towards his disciples and said. And so from here on, this discourse is given in verses 20 through 49, is directed to his disciples, Okay. Those are the ones that are the discipline learners. Disciple means discipline learners, and it means those who are followers of Jesus. Okay. Now, although many would say that this is the short version of the Sermon on the Mount as we see it in Matthew's Gospel, I would say it's not. Um, even though there's many similarities, we'll see four Beatitudes that are the same as, as the eight Beatitudes that are spoken in Matthew's Gospel. Here we have four woes given that you don't find in Matthew's Gospel. And so um, I would submit to you, because I do this all the time, that uh, I could be teaching something and then something will, um, the Lord will speak to my heart, hey, you know, you taught on something similar to this uh, a year ago, this would be great to bring it into the teaching you're doing this week. And so I'll bring something that I have taught before. If I go and speak somewhere else, quite often I'll use something that I've taught here in order to minister to the people of where I go. And so... It would be no different with Jesus. Jesus, as he taught the Sermon on the Mount, there's no doubt that he took bits and pieces of that or might have said the whole thing all over again somewhere else. But it doesn't mean that this is the same sermon that he gave back in chapter 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew's uh, gospel. And so I look at this, and there's many things that are similar, but there are many things uh, as well that are different in this case. And so... When you look at what Jesus is trying to say here, it's a little bit different than what he's trying to say on the Sermon of the Mount. He's going to contrast with you um, what a true prophet of God is and what a false prophet of God is. And so here, as we read these verses, you're going to find out in verses 20 through 23, this is the characteristics of a true prophet of God. And then in verses 24 through 26, These are the characteristics of a false prophet of God. And then verses 27 through 49 is how Jesus then expects his disciples to behave. And so starting here in verse 20, let's go ahead and read this. 
It says, Then he lifted up his eyes towards his disciples and said, Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you, and when they exclude you, and revile you, and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy, for indeed your reward is great in heaven. For in like manner their fathers did to the prophets. Look at the contrast here. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation or comfort. Woe to you who are full, for you shall hunger. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. So again, verses 20 through 23 speaks of the true prophets. And then verses 24 through 26 is speaking of the false prophets is what we have here. And so in context, remember this, that a prophet is a mouthpiece for God. He is a spokesman for God. Well, I'm here to tell you something, that as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're all called to be prophets. You're all called to be a mouthpiece for God. This is what you've called, uh, been called to do. And so we look at this, and as we look at it in, in a deeper context, going back here to verse 20, we're going to be able to see that this is the characteristic that God is looking for us as disciples. He's speaking to disciples now. Okay, he's not speaking to the multitude, he's speaking to disciples. And he says this, Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, and you shall be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Now, this is not speaking to all of humanity. This is not saying that the poor and hungry of the whole world are blessed. It is saying that the believing poor and hungry are blessed Do you see the distinction there? He's speaking to disciples. Okay? He's speaking to disciples. The word blessed does mean happy. As a matter of fact, some of your translations probably say, happy are you poor. Okay? However, the word blessed here is more than that. It's a Greek word, markeios, makarios, I'm sorry, and it means supremely blessed. Well, what does it mean to be supremely blessed? It means this, you are so blessed that you're an extension of God's favor. You're an extension of his divine favor. And so to be blessed means to be divinely favored in such a way as what? Being used by God. Being used by God. So blessed are you poor. Blessed are you. The divine favor has been extended to you that God is going to use you is what is being said there. Blessed are you who are poor. Okay, well, that's an interesting word. What do you mean by poor? Does that mean materialistically? The answer is no, it does not. It's not speaking economically. It's speaking more theologically. It's speaking of exactly like it says in Matthew 5, 3, you are poor in spirit. As a matter of fact, this word, when it's used in the Old Testament, Psalm 40, verse 17, as well as Psalm 86, verse 1, 109, verse 22, here David says, I am poor and needy. And clearly, he's not poor in the way of economic status because he's a king. And he doesn't need anything materialistically because he's a king. So what is this speaking of? It means poor in spirit. It's speaking of humility. That David is saying, it doesn't matter what I have, I am poor before you. I am needy before you. Without you, I can do nothing, is what he is saying. 
And so that's the attitude that is being spoken of here. It's an attitude of being humble. And notice this, that in the other um, verses there, in verses 22, it tells us, or in verse 21, it says, Blessed are you who hunger now, those who weep now. Notice it does not say, blessed are you poor now. Because in the other verses, it's telling us because your status is going to change. Even though you're hungry now, you'll be filled. Even though you weep now, it'll be turned to laughter. So that speaks of something temporary. But it doesn't do that in the first verse. Why? Because that attitude is an attitude that you're going to have for all of eternity. Poor, humble in spirit. That is why yours is the kingdom of God. Who's he speaking to here? He's speaking to his disciples. Yours is the kingdom of God. He's saying this is the attitude you need to have. Be poor in spirit and yours is the kingdom of God. Because that's an attitude you're going to carry on forever. Is that attitude of being broken and being humble before him. In Isaiah 57 verse 15, it says, For thus says the high and lofty one, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit. To revive the spirit of the humble, to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Contrite means crushed or broken. And so that is what the Lord is going to dwell with, those who have this humble spirit, this broken spirit of knowing that it's all God. Without him, I can do nothing. That same spirit that that David had. And so this brokenness is this understanding of your helplessness before God. And this is what it is to be poor in spirit. And this is what we're going to have always as we dwell with the Lord. But look at what it says in verse 21. But blessed are you who hunger now. Temporary condition. It's not always going to be that way. For you shall be filled. Blessed are you who weep now. It's not always going to be that way. Temporary condition. For you shall laugh. The word hunger there is a Greek word that means to crave. The word filled there is a word that means in abundance. The word weep there means to sob or wail out loud. And the word laugh there means to be satisfied is what that means. And so here is a temporary condition that is going to change. You're hungry now, but you're going to be filled. You weep now, but you're going to, uh, you shall laugh. And so we see this temporary condition. Um, The main emphasis here is on spiritual hunger is what's being spoken of here. When it is to weep, it's to weep over the lost. Well, Dave, how do you know that? Because this is who the true disciples are going to be and who are they going to be like? The Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. I want you to see the the spirit behind this. I want you to be able to see the emotion behind this. In verse 35 of chapter 9 of Matthew, it says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness, every disease among the people. And when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. What was it that he was moved by? Compassion. And what is it that he saw? He saw this. Because they were weary, they were tired, and scattered like a sheep having no shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. What is it that Jesus saw? What was his heart? He saw sheep that were scattered. What does that mean? It means they're lost. He saw the lost condition of the people 
of the multitudes is what he saw. I'm here to tell you this. I believe that that is what God has called us to feel as well. Years ago, I started praying the prayer, Lord, let me see the people like you see them. Changed my life. Absolutely changed my life. And I would really encourage you to do the same thing. Because when you see people the way that Jesus sees people, all of a sudden you don't take issue with what they just said to you. You're not easily offended anymore because, for one, you realize they don't know the Lord. That they're acting out of their own hurt. They're acting out of their own despair. They're acting out of their own hopelessness that they see life. And that's why they're so petty. That's why they're so selfish. That's why they're so mean. They don't know Jesus. And when you begin to see them like that, all of a sudden you just go, my heart now breaks. And I weep over them. I weep over the lost. I now hunger and thirst for righteousness to come into their life, for them to meet the person of Jesus Christ. And so this is a a heart issue here, that you should hunger for God's will. You should hunger for the purposes of God to be completed in the lives of his people, that you should weep over the lost. And here's the thing, it's only temporary because one day you're going to be with him face to face. One day you're going to be in heaven. And guess what? There are no lost people in heaven. And so you're not going to grieve over that. But here on earth, you're going to see that. And it should cause you to grieve. It should cause you to, to, to really hunger and thirst for righteousness to, to be seen in their life. That, that, that God's will will be accomplished in their life. But to look out on the multitudes and to see this and to, and to weep. Lord, help me see people the way you see people. It will change your life. It will change your life. And then he goes on and says, Blessed are you when men hate you. When they exclude you, when they revile you, when they cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake, understand here's going to be the result of that. As you care for people, as you pray for people, as you speak out on God's behalf, as you try and reach and and, and be one of the laborers for the harvest. And here's the thing about the harvest. That tells me they're ready. They're ready to be harvested. Jesus says everybody's ready to be harvested now. And so because of that harvest, you're praying, I want to be one of those laborers. And as you continue to be a light and a witness, and when God tells you to speak forth and you do, and they revile you, and they hate you because of it, and they exclude you, and they cast out your name as evil, guess what? They did it for the Son of Man's sake. They did it because they saw Jesus in you. That's why they did that. And you're blessed when they persecute you for Jesus' sake. You're blessed because of that. What does that mean, you're blessed? You're blessed... Because of this, because you partake in exactly what Jesus did when he suffered. He was rejected. He was reviled. Now, notice something here. It does not say, blessed are those who are persecuted for being weird, okay? Nowhere does it say, blessed are those who are being persecuted for being obnoxious or just plain old being a jerk. It doesn't say that. Many times we're persecuted because we ourselves are very difficult and very self-righteous people that lack wisdom of when we're supposed to say something and when we're not. And how we're supposed to say it with love and kindness. And yet sometimes it's said in condemnation. And God hasn't called us to do that. He hasn't called us to do that. When we stand on a street corner and yell at people, Hey, turn or burn! Don't turn away from me! You're going to hell! And then they turn around and give you some signal that they're not too pleased with you. (laughs) You Well, I got persecuted for Jesus' sake. No, you got persecuted for being a jerk. Is what you got persecuted. And there's no reward in that. I want to make this very, very clear that those who stand outside an abortion clinic and yell baby killer and they show pictures and they kill abortion doctors 
They're not being persecuted for Jesus' sake. They're suffering consequences for ungodly actions. You stand outside a gay bar with placards saying that that you're going to burn and go to hell and police tell you to move on and you don't and they take you away to jail. You're being persecuted for all the wrong reasons. And you're not being persecuted for Jesus' sake. And Jesus has nothing to do with that. I've never ever seen Jesus as an in-your-face evangelism screaming or yelling at people condemning them to hell. I don't see that in the scriptures anywhere. And we're to be like Jesus. It does not say, blessed are the persecuted for being fanatical or overzealous or those who take up a cause. It doesn't say that. What does it say? Blessed are those who are hated, excluded, reviled, cast out for the son of man's sake. You're only going to be persecuted and get a reward if you are persecuted for Jesus' sake because you truly did act like Jesus. And then they persecute you for that? Man, great is your reward. But understand, this is the characteristic of what it is to be a disciple. A true prophet is going to be ridiculed. A true prophet is going to be persecuted. For why? Because you're being like Jesus. That's why. Jesus said this in John 15, 18. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. Paul makes this clear. In 2 Timothy 3.12, he says, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer what? Persecution. It's going to happen. And how should I respond to such persecution? He says rejoice. That's an interesting word. It means be cheerful. Wow. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. Everybody should have a set of pom-poms just on the side. Because that's basically what God's saying. Do a cheer after that. I mean, it's like it's, it's, it's a, a rallying kind of rejoice. It's kind of like when the disciples uh, in, in Acts chapter 4 were brought before the Sanhedrin and, then, and they were beaten and they were told not to preach his name. They left because they counted it worthy. They were going, oh my goodness, I'm so thankful that God counted us worthy to go through that. Wow, that certainly is different than the world would do. And they rejoiced. Why? Because they were counted worthy. Because so God did with the prophets before them. Interesting, rejoice. And then he gives us two reasons to rejoice. Because great is your reward in heaven. Wow. Now think about that for a moment. The word reward is mythos. It means reward. It means wages. This is what you earned for that. And it's great. And it's on the other side of heaven. You're not going to see it in this world. It's on the other side of heaven. And the word great there means plentiful is what that means. It's speaking of abundance. It is awesome. It is great. It's kind of like what Paul says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. This this reward is so awesome because of the persecution you went through, you're never going to tire of it. Think of the neatest gift you've gotten in this world. And don't say the Lord Jesus Christ. We understand that. You can't really put a price tag on that or anything like that, except for the fact that he paid for it with his blood. But a materialistic good, something that good that has happened in your life, other than that, that when it first happened, you were so excited that you were on cloud nine. You and I both know that eventually you came down from that cloud. When it comes to God's rewards, you won't. You will stay at that level forever with all the things that he has given you or rewarded you, and you're going to be going, wow. And you're going to stay in that wow factor. It's kind of like, (coughs) excuse me, when you... Get that first 
new car that you've been saving up for. You drive it home. You're so excited to be in the leather seats. And oh my goodness, they have, even have heat warmers. This is great that the seats, you know, kind of uh, uh, heat you up and everything. How awesome is that? And, and you just think this is the neatest thing in the world. And then six months goes by and you're basically just dreading the fact that you have to go to the gas station, you know. And it, and it begins to wear on you. And two years later, you have to get new tires and you go, man. And, and it's, you're no longer in that wow factor anymore. You're still thankful for it, but not as much as that very first day. That's not the way it's going to be with God's rewards. When you receive that reward, it's that wow factor for all of eternity. I don't know if you can grasp that. I can't. But I still go, that's going to be pretty neat. That's going to be pretty neat. It's not even worthy to be compared. Here's the deal. It's kind of like you at the workplace, and and all of a sudden someone comes up to you and says, hey, I'm told that you're a believer. I am. How'd that come to be? And and you start to explain, you, you witness there in the break room real quick, and there's other people around, and they hear of it, and they go, what? You're a Christian? You go, yeah, how could you believe in that? That's just so, you know, that's, that's a big fairy tale. I thought more of you, and then it started to kind of persecute you for believing in the Lord and believing in the Bible, and, and so I thought you were smarter than that, and everybody starts chiming in and just start dogging on you. About five, ten minutes goes by, and everybody goes back to work, breaks over, you go, Lord, I don't know what that was all about, but I just hope you planted seeds and, and you move on with your day. And then you come home, and the Lord's there waiting for you in your living room. And you walk through the door, and the Lord Jesus Christ is there. You go, whoa, Jesus, what are you doing here? I heard about what happened. I saw what happened. I was there at the break room when, when you got persecuted for my name's sake. Yeah, it's it no big deal. I know, but I just want to let you know something. I was there, and I have a reward for you. And all of a sudden, he gives you the keys to a brand new Ferrari. And you're going, what? I only got dogged out for like 10 minutes. No big deal. Great is your reward going to be. That the present sufferings of of right now, not worthy to be compared. What I'm going to give you on the other side, you're going to look at everything you've been through for my name's sake. And you're going, it's not, Lord, it, it doesn't add up. This is way more than what I did for you. That's what we're going to be looking at. This is why that Jesus is telling us to lay up treasures where? In heaven. Why? Because rust and moth do not destroy. All these things down here, like the red Ferrari and everything else, it's temporary. It's going to go away. But not so the rewards on the other side. If we could have a glimpse and go, can I just live a day up in heaven and then come back? Don't you think that you would have this amazing fervor? for the Lord, because you see what you're saving up for. You're going to go, look, I, I saw all the things that are waiting for me. If I do this, if I live for the Lord, and if I you know, get persecuted for his namesake, and that I'm really a conduit for God to, to give through me and things like that, I've seen what we're going to get. And let me tell you, it's not worthy. Don't worry about what people say. Just live for the Lord down here. That's what I'm saying here this morning. We need to live for the Lord down here. Why? Because the reward we're going to get is great. And he tells us that. He says, hey, when they persecute you, you're supposed to rejoice. Why? Because your reward is great. And here's the other reason. Because you're going to find yourself in great company. Look what he says right here. For in like manner their fathers did to the prophets. You know why he rejoiced? Great is reward, and you're going to find yourself in great company. That's Hebrews chapter 11. That's the hall of faith. When you go there and you read about Moses and you read about Abraham and Sarah and these godly men and women that have gone before us, you are now in their company. Just like the world persecuted them, guess what? He's gonna, we're going to get persecuted. 
We are also going to be in the hall of fame. We're in great company. Why do we rejoice? Great reward, great company. Never can the bowels of Neither death nor even That completes this Sunday broadcast of Abiding in the Word with Pastor Dave Love. Join us next Sunday as we continue our study in the Gospel of Luke. If you live in the area of Castle Rock and are looking for a church to call home, be sure to come by and visit us. We meet Saturdays at 5 p.m. and our Sunday service times are at 9 and 11 a.m. A combined junior and senior high class meets at the 5 p.m. service on Saturday. On Sunday mornings, high school meets during the 9 a.m. service and the junior high meets at the 11 a.m. service. Our young adults ministry, Arise, meets every Friday at 6.30 p.m. at the church. Child care is offered for all of our weekend services. Calvary Castle Rock is located right off of I-25 and East Wolfensburger Road, directly behind Jack in the Box and the Shell Gas Station, right across from Starbucks. For more information about us on this radio ministry, please visit our website at calvarycr.com or download our free mobile app from the Apple App Store or Google Play. You can also call the church office at 303-663-2514. We are so blessed you've joined us today. Until our next time together, we want to encourage you to always be abiding in the Word of God. Amen.